Welcome to another episode of Bodies by Brent. I am your host, Brent Ruska. Welcome to part two of Brent and Wally do ayahuasca. We dive deeper into our challenging ayahuasca ceremonies and really how to integrate these experiences and what they mean for you. Thank you so much for being here, guys. I really appreciate it. Follow and leave a review. It helps so much. All right, guys, I'm not going to talk too much. Let's just get into the episode. No intellect was allowed to intercept the experience of it. It's like, oh. cool, you get it. We're going to go through every floor of the building and now you're going to experience it. That's freaking rad. So the play on words that came to me the other night, this was last Tuesday, it showed me that the only thing that I can control is my breath and my attitude. And how breath is really our key of how we associate with everything in life, with, with the vibrations, with the changes in frequencies that we experience in the medicine. And it, it showed me the word respiration and that the word respiration really is, you know, the way that we breathe, our respiratory system. Mm -hmm. But it involves the word spirit as inspiration. So it's about, it's about breathing in spirit mm. and recycling it. And that's what respiration is. Wow. And then it showed me the word inspiration. And that's the inhalation of spirit. Inspiration in. Mm -hmm. And then out breath is expiration. I love that. And then it said, you know, like if you allow, like breathe in spirit and allow it to permeate through your whole body. That's perspiration. Wow. And then it showed me desperation. And desperation is an energy I have a lot of experience with. Um, especially like in the last few years, you know, in my attempts at finding like my community, my tribe, I found myself like revisiting like feelings that I haven't felt since like grade school or high school, like this desperate energy to kind of be part of a community. Mm -hmm. And and every time that happened, I just felt like deflated and flat, like, and just like not filled with spirit. And that's where my urges to, for my addictions, especially mm -hmm. to reach outside of myself for external solutions. And it showed me that's what desperate desperation is. It's like this deflated, you you haven't breathed in no spirit. You're just kind of flat and you're externally trying to fill yourself up with uh, other things. And which doesn't work. Right. And you were addicted to Vicodin, yes? I was addicted to Vicodin, um, alcohol. I mean, I was addicted to food, sugar. Yeah. Um, I have a lot of addictions. Okay. And, you know, I, you know, I definitely have um, things that trigger that. Yeah. And, uh, you know, ayahuasca actually helped me in this ceremony as well. Kind of like reframe it. My four triggers for addiction are loneliness, hmm. boredom confusion and anger right and what ayahuasca showed me with because it, 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 i would say that the second ceremony especially was all shadow mm -hmm. the door that opened up um the maestro you know <laughs> sui yeah he uh said after that he's never seen a door open like that in 40 years of serving medicine and, you know, I thought I, I was like relieved after my experience to hear everyone had like a really hard experience because I, I've never, you know, had a night like that before. It was uh, 
took me to the to the edge, but it taught me so much. It taught me how to love myself more. And what I mean by that is it required that I actually ask for help. Mm-hmm. And that came externally where I had my flashlight. And I actually had to like kind of put it on to be like, like, I need help over here. Yeah. But the beauty was it showed me that I can ask for help internally and it showed my self-healing intelligence kick into action and show up like an entourage of spirits, of guides, of like consciousness within my body that got turned on and was there and put his arm around me and said, you're okay. Mm-hmm. You're okay, but we're going deeper. We're going to do more. Yeah, tell me more about the second ceremony. Well, the second ceremony, you know, it's funny. You take the medicine and you wait in silence, right? Mm-hmm. And you wait about 45 minutes. And, you know, I you keep thinking like, okay, yeah, it's kind of, I'm kind of feeling it. It's kind of kicking in. And then I like to close my eyes. I'm not one of those people who keeps my eyes open during ceremony. I really like to go inward. And I'm getting the, the visuals, the effect. And it's clearly getting more and more intense. I've smoked a lot of DMT and it's looking a lot like the DMT space. And I'm like, oh yeah, this is definitely DMT medicine. And it starts getting more and more intense, but I'm fine in this space. And as soon as Sui starts singing the Ikaros, mm-hmm. which is about an hour later, right? About an hour later, as soon as he starts singing, uh, my visual experience turns into the patterning that you see on like Shipibo tapestries. Yeah. And I actually see how the music is technology that cuts through you like surgery. Let's talk about that for a second, the, the Icaros. So Master Sui, or a lot of Masteros sing an Icaros, which from what I understand is channeled song from the plant. Yeah. And when you're listening to it, not on the medicine, it just sounds like indigenous chanting. Mm-hmm. But when you're on the medicine, the com- combination of the two, which I never really realized until doing these ceremonies in Mexico, the power of it, 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 it really is a sound healing experience. Yeah, it's a it's vibrational. It it's just <clears throat> simultaneously while the song is creating a vibration that you can actually witness it penetrate you and enter you. Um, at the same time, y- your whole physical being is becoming vibrational at the same time, and you just kind of get lost in it. Like you slowly disintegrate into that field. And then the, the music starts doing its work on you. And it gets to the point of, uh, for me, it, it, it started off feeling pretty good. You know, like I was at a higher vibration of it. It came on like, you know, like a kind of like a warm hug, mm-hmm. almost like a celebration. Like, here we go. I, I can kind of feel like the group energy in the room. And you know, I don't even know how we got to it, but I would have to say by, you know, because he goes to each person. We had 16 people in the ceremony. Mm-hmm. I, I think I was like the sixth person to go. And by the time he was like on the third person, I was already just like vibrating at like a low vibration where it was, you know, it, it was getting really difficult to hold on. And I remembered, oh, yeah, I can ask for help. And, you know, I did like a little flashlight 
thing and they came over and I'm like, you know, I'm just having like really hard time. And they like, you know, I think I don't know who came over. I opened my eyes for a second mm -hmm. and I literally saw like 30 foot tall beings like all around me. <laughs> like I'm like, oh, wow, that's the first time I've opened my eyes and I got my purge bucket close by. And I'm like, good. I just want to make sure everything's good. And then, you know, like I'm, you know, just going deeper, deeper within and I just remember like my self-healing intelligence. It was like the coolest thing I've ever seen. I had like, like I felt like I was looking at like an interface, some type of screen that was made up of um, like organic material, mm -hmm. like almost like made up of like the jungle in front of me with like little lights everywhere, like little like kind of Christmas lights, but like they each had colors. There was like a green one, a red one, a blue one. And and I heard like voices like what, that were like very feminine voices that were felt like there was like an entourage of like nurses and doctors like working on me. Mm -hmm. And they were like excited because they were like finding like, oh, like, oh, I found the part to fix. And like parts of the interface would like light up and I would feel hands on my body, like reorganizing like my organs. And then my or the consciousness of my organs would kind of get involved in the, in the conversation. And, and I would start to concentrate on that. And it, you know, the voices would be like, it's okay, it's okay, this is good. And at one point I witnessed this, like, it looked just like if you're looking at like a computer chip and I saw like, it was like up and I felt this dense energy on my brain. It was like really kind of heavy. Like I felt like half my head was like melting and heavy and I witnessed like the neurological pathways being reorganized like it branched out up into the right and all of a sudden it like went down into the left mm. and there was like this feeling of like aha like we got it and then all these lights like blunk one at a time like checkpoint 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 okay boom 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 you're good and it was like a really blissful feeling it's like truly probably one of the coolest things I've ever seen. It was literally witnessing my self-healing intelligence from a scientific level, yeah. like going to work. That's incredible. Yeah, so if you listen to the last episode, you, you know that Master Sui, about an hour in after the medicine's been taken, will come around and he will sit in front of you and he will sing Icaros to you, directly into you, while you sit either on your knees or a meditation posture, or kind of like in an upright position so you can receive the energy of the medicine. And it was always so exciting as he would come closer because <laughs> I was kind of the last in the row and it was so powerful. But my favorite part every time that he would come around and he would, uh, after he would sing, was what he would do at the end to each person, which was always different. He had this bottle. Mm -hmm. And I would always try to like look with my eyes. You can't really see anything other than kind of like the moonlight around the jungle, hearing all the jungle noises. And he has this little bottle and he either would, depending on the person's energy, and I, I would try to kind of figure it out. I don't know. I was going into trying to discovery mode. He would either take the water and he would, mm -hmm. and he would spray him. And it was almost like that person had a lot of bad juju, like that he just had to like cleanse hard. But the one that I received the most personally was that was always my favorite experience 
every time where he'd take the bottle and he'd go and it'd make this wild noise like this mm -hmm. sucking up into the thing and then he would end it by going and then you could as he was breathing into the bottle pulling up i could feel every cell in me as if i was going into when <clears throat> star wars when they go into that fucking go mode and they mm -hmm. blast in the galaxy visually that's what it felt like pulling out of my crown and then it would just pull right out the top. Mm. I love that so much. Well, what, what would he do? Okay, so that's. I'm so glad you're telling me this right now because it's my favorite thing. Um, I remember like in each ikros that's being sung to someone else. It took me to the like lowest vibration mm -hmm. up to the highest, mm -hmm. and then back down to this in between space where I'm neither here or there. Yeah, and I call that in between space uh, purgatory. Yeah. And and then it would get silent and I would feel the rumblings. And that's where you start hearing everyone purge. Mm -hmm. Like it, it's like, blah, like people are really, really going at it. And and then I would hear those sounds that you were talking about. And they were cool. And they felt like they were dancing around me. They would like be behind me, yeah. like in one ear or the other. And it was like, like, <laughs> Yep. It was just, and then you would hear him spray people. Yep. But, you know, what I realized later was that purgatory is a, actually has the word purge in it. And it's actually a place where you actually purge. Wow. It's a place to let go. Okay. And so that's what I realized actually from one of the visits that I got on a Tuesday night. It showed me that in that in-between space, energetically, where you're neither here or there. That's like the, where you actually do let go. And speaking of him spraying people. <laughs> so like right before he got to me, um, I don't know how long it was, probably like the two people before me, um, I was like connecting to my breath. Like, cause I it was getting really, really hard again. And I already had my self-healing intelligence experience, which was amazing. <laughs> And, you know, I know to connect to my breath just to like ground myself and I'm just like deeply connecting. And then suddenly I'm like looking at this um, spirit, uh, like a deity, like some being that was made up of like white lights, but kind of looked like almost like the devil, but a white devil. Wow. And it tilted my head back and grabbed my tongue out of my head, like literally 10 inches, like Gene Simmons from Kiss style, and pulled my tongue out. And it said to me, I'm going to stretch you out because you're going to speak tonight. And originally, like, like, I know control over my body. I was starting to just lose control, but it didn't feel bad. It actually felt good for something to grab my tongue like that because I've never been stretched out like that before. My head was back and I was like, okay, this is okay. But then my tongue started having like twitching and twisting and almost like it was spelling out like letters and it was doing this for about i don't know it felt like a half hour wow. and i had no control over it and at one point i can actually grab with my right hand my tongue and i felt how far it was outside of my head and it was literally about 10 inches outside of my head like longer than my tongue can stick out of my head and I started to get, you know, kind of horrified because I was not controlling this. And then about 
another minute goes by I'm, I'm just like kind of like wrestling with like you know like having a hard time because i have no control here i start speaking in some language that felt ancient and it felt like really like even the next day i can speak it because it was like still alive in me um it was very whispery and like a very slithering type of language and it felt really kind of evil it, it did not feel like it was like light language at all it felt like it was super super dark and it honestly felt kind of like an exorcism was happening at that moment and right before he came and got to me like in that same like purgatory space where it's like silence and everyone's purging i mean my energy started rumbling from like the bottom of my being and again i had no control of my body and when that energy got up to my belly i started to <laughs> my purge came out in a huge scream wow that probably lasted about 30 seconds and it was like Whoa, like just as loud as i can go like like every part of my cell came out and immediately as soon as i let it out i had some awareness in my body again i can kind of control myself but it felt very incomplete like there's more there to like let out mm -hmm. and i i could not you know i was dry heaving like nothing was coming out mm -hmm. either and i'm just like get this out of me and i knew like i felt like one of the facilitators like the helpers would be coming over to me and that did happen and i i don't know who was talking to me but they were basically like being like we're here we're okay you're okay um at least that's what i felt like they were saying mm -hmm. But I can also feel them being like, yo, bro, don't scream in ceremony. <laughs> like, that's not like what we do here. And I felt like this, um, this feeling like I was doing something wrong. Yeah. And we had somebody in the third ceremony scream a lot. Okay. And they were okay with it. Um, I got more to tell you about okay. that. Yeah. Um, but then like, as you know, I was, you know, screaming like that. I, that's when Suey came up and blasted me. Like, <laughs> it's like, just like I mean, like, and I just kind of felt like, like layers of just like, boom, boom, of like back, back. Wow. And um, I didn't, I didn't have any more like thing take over my tongue that that was over. Uh, but, you know, it was very, oh gosh, I mean, I so, mean, even thinking about it, it, it just like, it was just hard, you know, that was, I never, like, I felt like an exorcism. It sounds like it. What you know? would you say? People probably listening are like, man, this is fucking wild. Like, I, why would I want to experience getting my tongue pulled down? But what would you say? Was there symbolism or? Yeah, I would say my intention. Like, so, you know, for people who don't know, like a lot of the work that I do is working with people who've had some severe trauma. Mm -hmm. Like, like the darkest type of trauma you can imagine. I work in the depths of hard addiction recovery, mm -hmm. but I also work with other people who've been through like, you know, all types of trauma, all types of sexual traumas, yeah. um, people who've witnessed people being murdered. Um, yeah. And, and I live with them, you know, like fresh off of their own experience of doing medicine, help them integrate their medicines and being that I am an empath as well. And I learned that through the process of living with them. Um, you know, part of my intention was to like, you know, like to, to know, like what is mine? And 
what I witnessed in this particular ceremony was uh, like it was showing me like a lot of what I'm carrying, you know, is, you know, a lot of was it was mine. A lot of the darkness is my own, but a lot of it is stuff that I'm carrying for other people. Yeah. And a lot of what I had felt in this and this came to me like later in the integration process. But, you know, I went into that ceremony with shame. I uh, used some kratom. Mm-hmm. I have like a hip problem. I was having a lot of pain and sitting in ceremony is really hard. Yeah, my body was so beat and, up. And, but I remember like thinking like, you know, as, as I'm waiting for the medicine to kick in, like, oh man, you know, like I was like just kind of beating myself up about it. And then like going through the whole cycle, well, just trust the medicine, you know, like it's, you know, it's, it's, it's okay. You know, it knows why you're here, you know, but I'm like, man, did I like interfere with it? Did I disrespect it? And so I brought in this shame. So I witnessed my own shame. I witnessed the shame that I've been carrying for other people. Mm-hmm. Um, in my ceremony that I was in, we found out later that people got reprimanded by Sui for smoking marijuana in their like little cabin. Oh. And you know, and Sui is very against uh, most people. Are you know, marijuana and ayahuasca are not friends. No. And yeah, so. And we could get into that whole story, but it, it happened. So I think there was like this other level of shame there. Mm-hmm. But one of my other intentions is like, what is my role as a man in this time in the world and in consciousness of a transition that we are shifting into an age for the first time in our civilization into this divine feminine age out of a masculine age. And I, I really did witness um, the consciousness of, of mankind for like thousands of years. I, I, all I saw was ancient male beings that were either warriors or royalty or kings, and they were all wearing helmets and they were all suffering. And I got a lot of information about that as well in this process. And it has to tie in with like addiction. Mm-hmm. And it has to do with like being able to ask for help. Yeah. And, but first admitting that you're even hurt in some way and which men have a hard time doing. So what have you learned from working with people with especially extreme addictions as well as what can help people with like mild addictions? Cause I imagine there's a lot of people mm-hmm. who even myself, like, you know, I have a coffee addiction or, you know, I can tell that the way my chemical makeup in my brain likes kicks of things, mm-hmm. right? And it's easy to get hooked on stuff, but not to the point where my life falls apart, right? Or it 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 causes challenges, or you can manage it to some extent. So, like, what have you learned from people who, mm-hmm. you know, have very intense addictions that just normal people can take away? Everyone has addictions, first of all. We'll start there. Everyone's yeah. addicted to something. Yeah. Um, I like that. I mean, not everyone's uh, addictions cause other problems mm-hmm. as much as substance abuse addictions. And the thing with substance abuse addictions is the problems that those cause become like the, the main problem that people focus on. Got it. So they're like literally ignoring the check engine light. Like, well, the reason for the check engine light, like say you have a check engine light that comes on in a car. Mm-hmm. And when you just treat the problems that the addiction causes, it's like you're just like saying this light's annoying. 
like let's just put a piece of tape over it or turn the radio up so we don't have to hear the car like yeah but you're never really getting to the source of the problem got it so th that's one of the biggest things it's like it's it's an alarm bell that is telling you it, it, it is your self-healing intelligence, your body, the technology of your body letting you know something's wrong. Hmm. So listen to that and honor that um, for so, most. So in some ways, like if you have an addiction, mild or strong, it's because something in your system is going haywire and you're almost trying to self-medicate yeah. to kind of calm that check engine it's, light down. It's your solution. Yeah. It's your solution to the problem. Got it. So Not your real here. solution, but the current. Yeah. It it is providing some solution in the moment. It it well, it did work. And if it never if the solution never worked, yeah, then you, then you would have done it. So it did work for a while. It yep. just caused other problems. It, it was a short term solution. Right? So that's it. I mean, like basically you know, the opposite of addiction is not abstinence, it's connection, we find. And, um, you know, just like, like literally, you know, anyone, like the addiction is one of the best ways to get into shadow work. And in the shadows, we find our gifts. So like, I, I love working with people who like, who really want to like get curious about their addictions because they're going to find out some of their strengths, you know? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, it's 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 amazing. And and addicts are very like they get into stuff. So like once they find something that they're into and it's like and you put, you know, align that with their strengths, I mean, they become a force. You know. That's powerful. Yeah. The second ceremony for me, my intention was I wanted to meet ancestors. And I had only very two specific experiences that happened where I remember I was trying to purge and I remember seeing this person sitting to my right, glowing, handing me the bucket as if it was helping me. And I think it was my grandmother. And it was weird because it was one of those things where you see and you feel someone, but then when you look at it, it's translucent and you see through it. And then there was another experience of someone actually walking by me, who I think was my grandfather. And so it was cool to almost like, quote unquote, achieve a goal mm -hmm. of experiencing and seeing uh, actual ancestors. And it was so interesting because it seemed so real. And then when you really looked, there was really nothing there. And one thing I want to say real quick is these experiences can sound really intense, but always towards the peak of the experience for me, the trailing off is always amazing. Mm -hmm. You're glowing. You feel amazing. You can hear all the sounds around you in the jungle. Mm -hmm. I have all these epiphanies and ideas and downloads and there were several times throughout every single ceremony, I can feel like that Kundalini energy rising up into my head to the point where it feels like my head's not there anymore that I felt in other ceremonies and just other actual non-psychedelic experiences. And so there's rough moments, but usually I would say 80% of it, for me at least, always is very pleasant and reflective and restorative very enjoyable i don't know what it's like mm. as you start to come down from the peaks well in this experience uh, the entire experience was work the entire time. there was no <laughs> i mean it was even on the yeah, way walking back to yeah, your cabin it, it was it was complete work the entire time yeah. and i i like i was grateful for it that's why i came there i mean i told like my friends and i i knew this that i was prepared to die like i'm prepared to die that's that's how ready I am for this. Yeah. And it's a funny thing is I have like this shadow like tarot deck. It's an oracle deck that 
I love this deck. I'll do a reading for you sometime. It's this deck is charged. And every time I do a reading for someone, it is just, it's eerie. It's spooky, how, like how spot on it is. Yeah. And I decided to pull a card right before that second ceremony. I pulled a death card. I was like, oh boy. <laughs> like, and uh, my roommate was just like, oh man. I'm just like, ha ha ha. I'm like, oh boy, this is going to be a good one. And uh, yeah. Um, so when you go into the third ceremony, you, I think you told me, did a bunch of people drop out? Well, yeah. So, um, so this is what happened. We have the first two ceremonies. Mm -hmm. We have day off. Thank God. Mm -hmm. And then we have two more ceremonies. And, you know, the next day, I, I mean, when I went to bed, I mean, I was still having visual experiences until eight o'clock in the morning. That was strong medicine. Yeah. You know, and, you know, as you know, like every time we got done with the ceremony, it was like one thirty two maybe. Mm -hmm. So six hours later, I'm still like in the medicine. Didn't sleep a wink. And, you know, I got up the next day and I actually felt good. Like I felt like I'm like, I actually feel great today. Went to the beach, like jumped in the ocean. And it was just like I was having like the best day. And we're very grateful that we didn't have a ceremony that night. And then I had people come up to me because I was embarrassed about screaming. I thought that I was disruptive. And people came up to me and they were like, thank you. They were like, thank you for screaming. You screamed for me. Like, because that's what I felt like I needed to do. And I couldn't. I had like six people say that to me. So I'm just feeling like, okay, I feel pretty good about this. Um, third ceremony, like I'm getting the courage all day. I'm like, man, like, I'm, fuck, I don't know if I can do this. Like, I, I, how, I really don't know. That's how I felt too. Know. I, I know. I, I was like, thank God for that day off. I, and, and that day off felt like it went on forever, which was great. And yeah, you're on very little sleep and you're like, how am I still functioning and feeling good? I think me and Andy went on a run. Mm -hmm. we we're like, we got to do some kind of cardio or get some kind of endorphins because I feel good, but I got to sweat or something. Mm -hmm. I don't think they want you to, but we're like, fuck it. So we went and ran and then swimming in the ocean is incredible. Oh, man, there's nothing better. Anytime you can get in water. Yeah. Psychedelics or not psychedelics or whatever. It's such a great way to just balance your emotions and just it's spirit. And that's what I tell people, like, you know, I do integration and always first thing I'm like, are you buy water that you can get into? Like, that is one of the most healing things that just charges you the salt water, especially. Um, yeah. So I felt great going into third ceremony. Like I'm doing good all day, but I'm like, man, I like I really had to like go sit and meditate and really feel into it and like not judge myself and like what i came to was oh i'm just gonna drink less i'm not gonna do a full cup yeah. like I'm, I'm gonna do like a half cup and it's you know we're getting to be like 10 minutes before ceremony and uh roma comes up to me and she's like hey can i talk to you i'm like yeah and she's like pulls me aside she's like well i need to talk to you about your behavior in ceremony and I'm like, OK. And she's like telling me like, you know, like, hey, you know, like we can't be yelling like that. We can't be screaming and like, you know, everything I feared. Uh -huh. And I'm like, OK, I understand this. I know how to behave in ceremony. I had no control of my body. I told her about that deity grabbing my tongue and the whole thing. I'm like, this is what happened. And honestly, it felt like an exorcism that was incomplete. I feel like there's more there. And, and she's like, well, I, I have to tell you this because someone complained about you. And 
what they said was that I actually came onto their mat and was like grabbing them. And I'm like, no, that's absolutely not. I was stuck in my mat the whole time. And in fact, I felt hands on me, like just from my own self-healing intelligence, like kind of reorganizing. And I was like, well, she probably just had a similar experience. Like I was not on her mat. And I knew I didn't do that. And then I'm like, well, you know, I don't know if I can do this now, Roma. Like I've been in my head for like, like literally mustering up the courage like all day to do this and like we're 10 minutes from ceremony and you're telling me this like and you're telling me i shouldn't get in my head about it like we're about to go into ceremony like what the fuck yeah that's and she's like well you know like i don't want it that's not my intention and she's like you're right you know i wish there was a better solution we're still learning and yes you should be able to scream and get it all out of you because what my understanding is that you're supposed to just focus on what's going on with you. There's going to be stuff happening around you. And that's what I did because I tell you what, stuff was happening all around me. I got vomited on, like, you know, like stuff was happening. And so I'm like, okay, well, I'm just going to go in and drink like a quarter cup now. And she's like, that's good because it's, she's like, you're probably sensitive to ayahuasca. And that last one was really strong and you're just going to put a little in you and it's still in your system and you're still going to have an experience. So don't be attached to having to drink a whole cup. I'm like, cool, I'm going to drink a quarter cup. I go up to Sui and I'm like, quarter cup. And he looks at me and goes, half, hands me a half. And I was like, okay, I guess I trust you. And that was my intention for the third ceremony was just let go, let go. It was let go, let go. And... Beautiful. We did it outside because mm. the first two were inside. Yeah. And apparently the reason why we did it outside was, is that room got destroyed. Like it, it was not able to be set up because of the second ceremony. It looked like a war zone, a war zone. Wow. Well, we did outside, but it was just because it was a nice day outside. But yeah. man, wow, you guys went to town. And I found out later, so I was, I didn't find out until the next day because there were just less people. They're like, yeah, six people tapped out after that second ceremony. They couldn't do it. And then Sui was like, well, that's not okay. Like, we need to close the container. So we need them there for the fourth, even if they don't drink. Mm-hmm. And they did. They came back. But wow. yeah, yeah. That's interesting. Yeah, third ceremony outside, which is a beautiful experience. And I remember I was preparing myself and as it came time, I was like, I'll just do less or whatnot. And I was like, fuck it. So I did a cup and a quarter Mm. and it was a a wild ride. When it started to come on, everyone was having the most brutal experience. People were making, it sounded like I was on a battlefield and people were being shot in the gut, laying on the battlefield. The noises I heard, I've never heard in my entire life. The weird retching and gurgling and moaning. And the guy next to me for two hours straight was just like in pure agony. The girl next to me, who in the second ceremony had a hard time, was relaxed. And when it came on for me, my body at this point, so tired, so achy. They want you to sit up. I can barely sit because my hips and my knees mm-hmm. and everything, my back hurts. So I want to keep laying back. And at one point, I feel like I got a purge and every I was getting hit with every single sensation I could possibly be hit. And I would be on my knees and I'd be up and I would roll on my back then I would roll back up and I would be having 
all these really tough experiences. But then I would roll back and I would just start laughing because I just couldn't help laugh at myself because I'm thinking about the girl next to me experiencing me just fucking rolling around on my mat, just like <laughs> having no idea what the fuck's going on. And I'm trying so hard to focus. And I had this visual as if I was riding a bull. And then that made me laugh again because I literally felt like it was on top of a fucking bull. And I was like trying to ride this thing, like everything I could to stay on it up and down and being bucked back and forth. And one point Roma came up to me and she like was like rubbing my head. She's like, you got to calm down. <laughs> and I'm just laughing again. Like I'm trying, <laughs> I'm trying so hard. And then I would get like hit with that smell of mapacho, like tobacco. And I'd be like, Oh my God, I got to puke. And then he started singing. And then I was getting the Icarus's like hit in my gut. And it felt like these snakes were coming out of me. And one of my intentions was, was trying to resolve something in my life, but it also, I was trying to get to the source of like addiction, right? Getting to addicted to things, right? Like whether it's coffee or whatever it is. And I know I have this sensitivity of getting addicted to things. And I was like, I want this thing out of me. And I could feel these snakes intertwining up my gut, trying to come out of my throat. But I didn't have the strength or the power to really focus on getting it all the way out. Because I was mm. like, I want this thing all the way out of me. I felt like it was like an entity. And then at one point, I lost my ability to understand what was happening with my body's processes. I was in a cold sweat. I was like, uh-oh, this is not good. And I started to, I think, spiral with my thoughts. And at one point, I started thinking about like dementia in your mind. And then I started to feel my mind unravel. Mm. And I started to almost, like I was on the cusp. I didn't tell anybody this. I was on the cusp of fucking losing it. Like I literally felt mm. my mind as if it was unraveling. And I was like, oh shit, don't go there. <laughs> like, cause I started to think about like, what is Alzheimer's? What is dementia? Mm. What is schizophrenia? What is like, what is thoughts? What, like I went down this really wild path while mm. I was having cold sweats, hot sweats. I was pouring water on myself. I couldn't regulate my system. I was like, oh shit, I'm going to die. It was so wild. And then at one point I finally was able to calm down and focus and breathe and Roma told the, told me that what you can do is when you do a lot of ceremonies, eventually you get just this golden light that streams down through you. You don't really purge that much. But if you can focus, and in the, in the ceremonies, your goal is to try to have that no mind, that place of just focusing on your breath and the sounds around you in like an expanded way. And if you can do this and focus, you can split the... Icarus, you can split the sound and open it up. She talked about how her sister was able to see herself into the future and she could see that her, she could see herself pregnant. She could see her baby girl. She could wow. see her name. She could see everything. She could see into the future. And there's a point where you get those wild ayahuasca visuals coming, right? They're mm -hmm. pulsating, they're breathing, they're like making those jungle noises. And there was a point where I could split it. I saw a split in the visuals and it started to open like a prism like stargate and it was almost like i could see into this window but then i lost it my mm. body was so tired and i was so connected to my sensations and i could see where if i was more rested if i had practiced more meditation mm. if i was in a place of a little bit more clarity i could do it and this is where i realized the importance of the pre and post of the ceremony 
like really preparing yourself. Now it's like, now I understand so much more the preparation where other ceremonies, it's like, you know, I'm pretty good. I can go in. I'm pretty strong. I can, you know, navigate the medicine or whatever it is or mushrooms or psychedelics. But in this, you really have to have your body prepared, right? I think if I was more prepared like a month before, you know, or now I know going forward, okay, more meditation, really disconnecting from social media, more being in nature, mm -hmm. practice sitting longer times, conditioning my body to be in meditation posture. And then you think those practices in themselves are good just to be doing in general. And that's really, I think, a key piece that I would like to practice more is the ceremony continues because mm. you have the access to, you know, see the positives and the future of your life if you practice these things that can help you in ceremony, that can mm -hmm. help you in your own life, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. So being in nature and meditating and really connecting to real food that works for your body is so yeah. important and it's so tough though right mm. being in our world how easy you all of a sudden drinking this fucking pop thing right mm -hmm. <laughs> olipop which is amazing but you know it's a challenge with our society with social media yep. and being on the road all day i drive a lot and just all those little things they pull you out pull you out pull you mm -hmm. out pull you out pull you mm -hmm. out or maybe that's an excuse maybe you can use those things to pull you in but you know, I know for me, at least long term goal is to be in a life where you can have the support of like nature and the food mm -hmm. and a way of living that allows you to just be in that place that you that the medicine helps you realize that you can't access at any point. So, I mean, I, I, I've been saying this and, you know, I said this actually right after a ceremony, I go, you know what, just the, the prep that you do for ayahuasca and what and how you live after is like how you should live life just that's it just being very uh selective of what you expose yourself to what you eat what you wear how much time you spend in nature and you know and that's what i do with people by the way for integration i help them create some space in the tetris of their calendar yeah. in, in order to receive these gifts from nature and to you know, just uh, treat themselves like a newborn baby to, to, to actually uh, give themselves self-love. And, you know, one of the questions I asked, and that's when my heart opening ceremony, the one where I was just letting go, it was like, how, how do I love myself better? And it was like all those ways with the food, which is, by the way, higher vibration. Like when you eat food, but not only when I eat food, what the prayer that I say over it, the intention, uh, the words, just the mindfulness, the gratitude. One of the, you know, that, you know, I talked about the one, the only things that we can, can't control is our breath and our attitude. Well, gratitude is the attitude that we get, gets us at the highest vibration. And so that's um, inward. The outward action is joy that gets us at the highest vibration. So, this is just a way to live, is to just enjoy uh, loving yourself in that way. And, you know, going back to addiction, like the, the lesson with addiction, I think, well, what you're saying right there and like all the stuff that we 
you know, seek outside of ourselves. The lesson is to like for, for addiction, like the first step is to admit that you have a problem, right? And that's the shame that I saw in all of male consciousness. Warriors, kings have a hard time admitting that they have a problem. And then the next step is to actually ask for help. And we do that, we, we, you know, like we do ask for help outside of ourselves. And that's what our addictions are. There's a solution outside of ourselves. Mm -hmm. But the help that I witnessed in the ceremony is our self-healing intelligence that, by the way, showed up as soon as I went inward and asked for the help. An entourage of spirits, of guides were there. My organs had consciousness that were there and just like putting its hands on me, I could physically feel it. And I, I think that's the key is to just seek all that with that, that, that enthusiasm that we have outside of ourselves. send that enthusiasm inward hmm. and just try it out and see what shows up. Ask your own intelligence to help you. Yeah. Ask it. And that's what presence is, you know, presence. It's, uh, you know, I used to think that patience was, um, being really good at waiting. Mm -hmm. And what I realized is what the key to patience is being really good at knowing through feeling. And the only way that we do that is to go inward and ask questions and be present with that and wait then. And for addicts, we're like we're, Addicts are awesome at feeling good. We're not good at feeling. So that's the the flip flop there. The external solution is being good at, at, at is being good at feeling good, mm -hmm. right? The inward is just being good at feeling. And do you have yeah. any practices for addicts to just feel that? Oh, this is the best. So this is where I start with people. If you want to get in touch with your own body language, 101, yeah. what I have them do is uh, like, you know, dinner tonight. I have no dinner plans yet. I have, I have no plans and I have no idea what I'm going to eat. I'm going to wait until I get a little grumble in my belly because that's my body language saying, hey, something's up. I'm sending you a signal. Now I will ask my body, what would you like? to eat tonight. What, what do you want? What's for dinner? Let me know what you want. Mm -hmm. And then I wait until I salivate. And right when I start to salivate, I know I'm about to get an answer. Now, the key is I might be able to hit the mark. I might be able to provide my body what information it gave me and, and fill myself with that. But maybe it's not available to me. What I do Either way, I'm going to eat. So sometimes I'll eat exactly what it says. Other times I won't. But I do an inventory after and see how it's going. And take note of how I feel. Mm -hmm. It's it's like I, I, everything, you know, like I think about the vibration of joy and curiosity and asking for help. Imagine your, your relationship with yourself is like a child. If you had a child, a child would come up to you and ask for help. If like, and all a kid wants to do is play. And if it doesn't know how to do something or it's hurting, it's like, help me. And you're like, what's up, little buddy? Okay, why don't you do it like this? And it's like, 
oh, thank you, and goes right back to being joy, mm -hmm. right? That's exactly what our self-healing intelligence wants. It just wants attention and know it's going to be okay. Go back to joy. That's it. All the parts of ourselves. That's what integration is. You take a medicine that creates a self-induced crisis, or you just have any crisis in your life, you're walking around as a whole person, and boom, suddenly you blow up and you're in a million pieces. Mm. You disintegrate. Integration is putting yourself back together again. And in that process, we get to have little conversations with these little pieces of ourselves. One of the biggest pieces of ourselves that comes into our awareness after a medicine journey is the inner child. Because that's the one we've been neglecting for a long time. That's the one that we've chosen to ignore because of uh, the validations that we want from external sources or groups of people mm -hmm. or relationships. Yeah. How do you connect with your inner child? Um, well, I find uh, ways. To, the, the way I connect with it now is I, I choose to be the conscious adult to heal it. Um, you know, there's core wounds that kind of come up that I get to address in this process, that all the core wounds happen between age zero and seven. So whenever I'm having a crisis in my life, it's usually because I ignored the inner child. Mm -hmm. And what happened is the inner child got sick of being ignored and kind of created a crisis to grab all of my attention. Now I have to deal with it. And it's usually because of one of the five core wounds, abandonment, betrayal, rejection, humiliation, injustice. Uh, what happens is my antenna got dinged and I was ignoring it by like kind of using one of my external, external solutions and it's going, no, 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 wait, all I want is your attention because mm -hmm. I, I want to get back to joy. I want, I'm saying help, you're ignoring me. And so that's what I do. I choose to be the conscious adult now and heal that inner child. But we get to practice this. We have all these different parts of ourselves. One of my favorite things that I like to do, I'm, I'm 50 years old. Mm -hmm. If I'm having a current life situation that's like challenging for me, where I need some guidance, I actually ask the 70 year old Wally, hey man, 70 year old Wally, I need some guidance here in this, this situation, this relationship. And what will happen is 70 year old Wally within seconds will point out like a bunch of red flags, be like, Eh, this ain't important. Don't waste your energy there. Like, this is what it's really all about. Like, that's a waste of time. Red, red flag, red flag. And so we can tap into these different parts of ourselves. And so even before I have people do the inner child work and be the conscious adult, I have them have the experience of tapping into the older version of themselves for a more current life situation. Very cool. Yeah. And there's different exercises that we can do. There's one called expressive writing. That's like a journal prompt that we get to heal um, the, some of the wounds from the inner child. Is and, that one of your more popular, powerful ones? Yeah, it, it, it's a journaling exercise where you take 20 minutes a day mm -hmm. and you just like tell the story about something that happened. And and you you don't reread what you wrote. I don't even like to write in a, in a handwriting I can read. It's not to be reread. It's just getting in on paper. Mm -hmm. And what happens is there's this part of your psyche that comes in and it's like better than any psychologist. It just like it, you know 
what's going on. You just so you're writing about what specifically? Like, uh, let's just say I had uh, like a, like some type of unmetabolized. Like, if let's say you tell a story about something that happened, and as you tell the story, you get as charged up emotionally as like you're reliving reliving the the event. Mm -hmm. Like you get all like angry when you're talking about it. That means it's still alive in your system. Mm -hmm. So. If you spend 20 minutes a day just writing about like what happened and if you go off on a tangent and start talking about something else let just allow it just let it go where it goes and in those 20 minutes a day by the end of four days you will have resolved that whole event with with the wisdom and the gratitude for why that happened that's amazing do you have another inner child exercise you really enjoy well, you know, like one of the most fun ways to tap into your inner child is to just play. Play, yeah. yeah I mean, like so whatever version of play that, you know, I, I think ecstatic dance is, is a fun one. Mm -hmm. um, art, you know, I'm an artist. I like to express myself artistically, musically, um, you know, sports or like, you know, it, it, it just, you know, whatever play means to you. Um, or you can even ask your inner child like what it would like to do. You know, that. like we just we need practice. Everyone says, you know, the oh, we need to live an intentional life and intention this, intention that, but before we have intentions, we got to pay attention. 100%. You know. How would you summarize your ayahuasca experience now that you're post month-ish? And would you go back and do it again? I don't know. I, I, I'm not someone who does medicine. Yeah, I'm a very curious person. Mm -hmm. And I'm, I think I, at one time I might have been like in my 20s. Like, you know, I did a bunch of psychedelics and for exploration, you know, um, the, as I've gotten older, I've realized that that I'm able to tap into these states of consciousness without medicine, you know, with just I'm learning how to do that in nature, just you know, some of the rituals that we could do in nature mm -hmm. and uh, just getting in relationships with plants also, but by using tobacco. Mm -hmm. So um, would I go back and do it again if I felt called to it? Mm -hmm. I mean, I've said no to more ceremonies. I mean, like I've been wanting to do ayahuasca for quite some time, like being called to it, but I've been, you know, I've said no, no, I really check in. And so I kind of feel a little bit incomplete in this, I, I feel like I just went through like the first uh, lowest couple layers of consciousness, the vibrations of shame and guilt. Yeah, that's where I spent most of my time. And I, I believe that I, I did get some insights on how to love myself better. And there's more work to do. Yeah. I'm not sure if medicine is the way I'm going to do it. Yeah. Even this ayahuasca experience was the continuation of several other medicine journeys that I've been, you know, for the last three years, they've all weaved into each other. So it kind of just feels like one big ceremony mm -hmm. and like kind of like COVID has been a big ceremony for people. I yeah. mean, it's just like the whole yeah. everything's changing right now and we're all in it together. And that's what's the coolest thing about integration. Like, like the more. Uh, like I love doing group integration because just to like witness someone else put in the words like exactly what you're going through. It's like this comfort of being like, oh, my God, I'm not alone. And it's like, no, you're not alone. And then 
that's the felt experience of like, oh my God, I thought I was alone. I'm not alone. That's crazy. That that person's going then then someone else is like, yeah, that's what's that's my experience too. Yeah. And then that felt experience, like once that you have that felt experience inward with your own self-healing intelligence and the entourage of support to all the different parts of our being. Um I mean, once you tap into that, you're never alone. You know, you just realize, you know, there's so many different parts of yourself. And it is my goal to become whole in this lifetime. Like, I, I kind of feel like this lifetime is the one that I've chosen to kind of sum up a bunch of different journeys, like past lives as well like this particular lifetime is a mission in some way a soul mission mm -hmm. in that way so like right now i'm getting to experience all the different expressions of of my soul mm -hmm. and you know wally who walks around 3d wally is just like mm -hmm. part of it he's he's a cool dude you know like <laughs> he's he, like he's uh <laughs> i'm learning uh to to play with wally a little bit and i have fun with this dude i yeah. love it for yeah. me i feel like that was like a Navy SEAL boot camp. And I'm still trying to make sense of the boot camp. And I realized before when I did a ceremony here in the States, I was like, oh, yeah, I'll be ready in a year. Once a year, I'll probably be good. After this, I realized there's so much work for me to do just integrating it. And what I mean by that is when you feel you're in that place where you're so connected with nature, and grounded and present and in alignment with your health and all that. I want to be able to achieve that before I even decide to step into another ceremony, right? Or else it's kind of pointless. I want to, I feel like they're like, okay, here are the tools and lessons. You need to take this and you need to master this, right? It's like going to, you know, Vipassana, like here's your 10 day meditation. It's like, Show me that you can, you know, mm -hmm. master doing 10 day meditation or have a strong meditation practice or else what's the point? You're just coming back for a peak experience, mm -hmm. right? And you're just going to go through, like you said, that low vibration, getting bonked around and all that. It's like if you want to get to that next step, you got to go train. You got to go practice. You got to go really embody all of this. And yeah. so I feel like I don't know when that's going to be, but until that happens, I'm not going to step in, but I know I'm definitely a very curious person yeah. and I know for sure one day I'll be back. Yeah. I mean, so the mission I was given, so I, I talked about this in the beginning of this podcast, talking about the wordplay that I got about like about respiration, inspiration, expiration, perspiration, desperation. And what the last word it came up with was conspiration, like the word conspiracy. Mm. And it was really weird. And it was like showing me like, you know, like the game of life is a conspiracy. And that confused me at first, but then it had me unpack the word. And the, the word like with respiration, spiration and breath means breathing in spirits. Mm -hmm. And when you add con in there, that means with. And the thing about conspiracy that is so cool is that it sounds like it's crazy, like when you first hear a conspiracy, right? But the more people who breathe into it, 
the more real it becomes. And that's like true with every conspiracy. We just have a stigma attached to it because we think it's like, oh, it's like people are like up to bad things. Mm-hmm. Um, so what it showed me that life really is whatever I, I conspire it to be. So whether that be through medicine or just through the act of connecting with nature and breath mm-hmm. and spirit, I'm going to breathe into spirit to create something. And I hope to do that with other people to kind of see what magic we can create. And it showed me like the technology of my body and how it works. Mm -hmm. This suit is amazing. This this self-healing suit that we wear. And the problem is that my mind I like I've given it my mind so much of the responsibility to try to figure stuff out and show me it's like, no, the mind isn't here to figure shit out. I that'll cause a lot of suffering. What the mind is best for is our imagination and our creativity. And it's really good at problem solving, but but solving it creatively. It's trying to guide too much. Totally. And your body is more attuned and antenna to like to go there. So just, you know, follow your body, get creative with your mind, right? And and don't try to figure it out. Like, you know, there's going to be parts of this, like medicine, like it, it like life becomes kind of magical. It's kind of magical in its, in its own way. And I, I I used to be like one of those people who like like it would have to like know why and like figure out stuff. Mm-hmm. Like like a like a detective. And there's so much part of this process that, you know, the word det- being a detective of being curious can kind of like cross lines. Hmm. And what I realized is like, man, I'm like when I, and I, this is one of my rules in integration, I call it hold the gold. And that means savor the magic oh. of it. And the more you share the magic with people mm-hmm. that, that aren't ready to hear it, or just, you know, like you're just telling it too much, you're actually diluting it a little bit. Mm-hmm. And if you try to figure out the magic, it's like bringing a, a detective to a magic show mm-hmm. who's calling out all the tricks. And you're like, dude, you're ruining the fun for everyone. Like, <laughs> yeah, chill the fuck out. Like, chill the fuck out. Like, like, yeah. uh-huh, I figured out it like that. It's like, it's annoying. Mm-hmm. No, no one wants to be around that. And thing. you're not going to figure it out anyways. And you're not going to figure it Trying out. Trying to anyway. figure out all the things that happen in life and the magic and right. all that exists. Yeah, you're not going to figure waste it out. Waste of energy. Waste Just of total energy. Total waste. I like that. So use your body as an antenna. Use your mind as a tool, but don't let it be guiding trying to figure everything out. It's no fun. No, it's not fun. And, and by the way, it, it showed me that life is it's a game of life. So do you want it to be mind games? You can do that. By the way, that's a choice that's available to you. Go at it. Is that fun for you? It's not for me. No way. Man. You know, like the games I like involve body and movement mm-hmm. and some mind, but creatively like fun, you know? So it's just like, we get to choose. We get to conspire what we want our lives to be. And so, yeah, like, you, you know, like I said, I don't know if that's gonna involve more medicine, but it's gonna involve me breathing into something and using my imagination mm-hmm. and i use my imagination to heal that inner child too mm-hmm. i use reimagination as a skill to to embody a different outcome so like i don't carry that in my field anymore 
that is a practice that we can do. And a lot of people think like, well, you're just being delusional. You're making up a different result. It's like, no, I'm not, because the only moment that ever really exists is the present moment, mm -hmm. right? When we look at the past or the future, that's usually where we cause suffering. And I, I think about currency, the energy that we exchange. That's when I say when we get current. Most of the work I do with people in integration is getting current in all their relationships. Not only their relationships with people, but with money, their relationships with technology. Mm -hmm. That's a big one now. Um, but also, ultimately, their relationship with nature, their relationship with all those different parts of themselves that they're putting back together. So by current, you mean where you are with this person or this thing right now. What's the energy exchange? What are you putting into it? What are you getting out of it? Um, who decided the nature of this? Do are you, you like are, it? Are you investing time with this person? Are you spending time with this person? Um, are you in alignment with it? And if you're not, is it worth the energy you would have to spend to put it into alignment? Damn. And by the way, so I just have people do an audit of that. And what I'm trying to do is create a little space in the Tetris of their calendar, a landing pad for them to get in a relationship with nature, with spirit, something that gives them back for just showing up. That where they, Nature has abundance. Just give it an opportunity to feed you that. And if you can create six hours in your week to start, beautiful. Because most of us, again, going back to the healing of that inner child, got love for what we did rather than for who we are. I love that. Well, this has been an amazing conversation. Two-parter. Yeah. How do people find you to connect with you, to work with you? Wow. that's I love that question. You know, this is crazy. Um, I have grown organically. Mm -hmm. um, I, I haven't put myself out there at all. And when, when you're starting that way, you just have to say yes to kind of whatever comes your way. Yeah. And and what's taught me so many lessons. I now I learned in that in my body what yes is, what no is, and, and all those relationships. So basically, I have not seeked anyone in this whole process. And now I'm at a point in this where the clients that I'm getting, like who find me. It's actually, it's magical in the way that it happens, like synergetically yeah. and like we're, the, the process is so reflective and it's such an intuitive way in which I work with people. Like it feels like channeling. Is there a way though people who are listening now could connect with you? Yeah. Email, anything, just yeah, like. Totally. I'm, I'll put send, it out there for the first send time. Send a letter to you. Yeah, 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 yeah. But I just wanted to share that. Like no, I, I haven't no, done that. And I there's a that. beautiful, it's, I'm at a point where it's beautiful like that. Yeah. But my email is Scrunch. My last name is Scrunchy. So my nickname growing up was Scrunch. Yeah. My birth date is July 15. So Scrunch715 at gmail.com. Spell Scrunch real quick. S-C-R-U-N-C-H. Awesome. Yeah. Well, Wally. Brother. Thanks so much. Yeah, brother. man. Let's do this again. Guys, thanks so much for being here. I want to know from you. Have you done a plant medicine ceremony? Do you want to do a plant medicine ceremony? Please shoot me a DM at Bodies by Brent ATX or on TikTok, Bodies by Brent. I want to hear from you about your stories, your experiences, 
any questions you have at all that has to do with plant medicine, I want to hear from you. Thank you again for being here. Please follow the podcast and leave a review. It helps so much. Let's keep growing this thing. And I will see you on the next episode.